You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. I'm so charged up. It is fun time. (laughs) Well, great. Um, Well, we are... We've, in the midst of a series that we've been doing, if, you know, you've been out for summer and you've missed, um, we've been doing this series where we've been talking about um, love, different dimensions, different aspects of love, you know, because in the English language, we use, you know, one word. So we can literally, we can go from saying, you know, I love, I love my, my children, to I love my wife, to I love Taco Bell and Mountain Dew. Taco... Taco Bell is awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I love my dog. Well, you just use love in this generic sense. And so we've been talking about, well, you know, there's different meanings when we say uh, love. And we've been talking about the natural loves and what does it mean, you know, um, what does it tell us about who we are and, and, and who God is when we talk about, you know, the way that we love our spouse. Like last week we talked about eros or romantic love and, and what does that mean? And today we, t- we get to talk about the love of God. The agape, the Greek word um, to kind of describe this dimension of love is agape. It's the God self, it's the God-like self-giving love, the sacrificial, unconditional love of God. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so my prayer, um, you know, this has been a really hard talk to put together. Like, like I was thinking, and I was having such a hard time and I was talking to somebody. I don't know why it's so hard. Like I cannot figure out how to, how to, how to put together a sermon on the love of God. Like, but it's massive. If you think about it, is there anything bigger? Is there any a bigger topic? Is there any bigger thing than the love of God? It's massive. It's huge. And so we're going to pray right now that God would, would do something with this message this morning, that he would speak and not me. Um, God, we thank you um, for your word, and we thank you um, for your spirit. We thank you that you choose to lead us into truth and to tell us about who we are and how you've created us and who you are. And um, God, we thank you that you're transforming us, that you are changing us more and more into the image of your son. And we pray right now that um, you would speak, that it wouldn't be my words, but that it w- they would be your words and that they would bring healing, that they would bring um, freedom, that they would bring challenge, that they would bring conviction, that they would bring change and transformation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so we're talking about the love of God. I'm like, okay, the, the best way for me to do this really is to just take some scripture that we can, that we can kind of take apart and use as an example. And so we're going to be looking at a scripture um, from the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to give you a little bit of the context of, of where this is, because I think it's important um, you really can't talk about this passage without talking about the context of what got us to this point. And so Jesus has been preaching, right? He's got a following. People are following him around. And he's, and he's uh, in, just done the Sermon on the Mount. So he's just done the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about the Beatitudes. And he has been telling these people that have come out. You know, at this point, the people that were coming out, they were all Jewish, right? They were all, um, they, they had some, you know, common level of agreement of who God was. And so they're coming out to hear about Jesus and, and to hear his message. And Jesus is telling them, you know, blessed are you. Blessed are you who have hungered and thirsted for righteousness because you will be filled. Blessed are you. Blessed are you that are out here that are listening to me because the kingdom of God is near. That the kingdom of God is closer than you could have ever thought. Repent. Change. Turn away from the way that you've been doing things before. Repent because the kingdom of God is near. This is kind of the summary message of the gospel of Jesus, of him saying, look, 
like uh, um, Keith was saying, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Change, come to me. Don't go the way you've been going. Come to me because my burden is light. My burden is substantially different than what you've been experiencing. And so he's giving this message, and, and, and it's, a, it's obviously an appealing message. People that have never felt like God could draw close to them, and he is saying, it's like you've never experienced before. He uses this new language of referring to God as Father and, and this idea that he's more like the perfect heavenly Father. That's the way to think of him. You, blessed are you who have been far off that thought that God could never reach you where you are. Blessed are you, the, the, the prostitutes, the poor, the destitute. What, blessed are you because God is drawing near to you. And he's preaching this message. And, and then he begins to move into this um, kind of challenge to the way of thinking of the day. And he says things like, you have been told this, but I say this. You've been told this, but I say this. And at one point he even says, you know, Moses told you this, but I tell you this. And think about that for a second. Okay, if you're Jewish, you're a big fan of Moses, right? Moses, pretty big dude, you know, in the Jewish community. And Jesus is saying, Moses told you this, but your hearts were hard and that's why he told you that. And I'm here to tell you this. I'm here to bring you good news. I'm here to change the way you think about God. I'm here to change the way you think about your relationship with him. I'm here to challenge you to to experience the kingdom of God in a different way. So this is the message. This is what brings us to this place before Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter five. He says, you have heard that it was said. This is what you've heard. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Makes sense, right? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Your enemy is somebody you should hate. That's why they're your enemy, right? You've heard that. You've heard that that was said, but I say to you, love agape your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You know, remember these guys, they're farmers, right? I mean, that's what they live off of. So sun is a good thing. Rain is a good thing. And so he's basically saying God causes good things to happen for the good and the bad, the just, the unjust. He causes his goodness, his grace shines on all of them. They all get a piece of God's grace. That's what your father is like. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Okay, tax collectors... Don't really have tax collectors running around. So we were talking about who, who, you know, who in society is like at the bottom, like the bottom feeders. And uh, I'm not gonna say lawyers because there's probably lawyers here. Um, so I, I say politicians because there's probably not a lot of politicians or congressmen right now. Congressmen are just like, they're the, the, the butt of every joke, right? So it was like him saying, don't even, the, don't even the, the politicians and the congressmen, don't they even do the same thing? Don't they love those who love them? Isn't there a, a difference And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles, in other words, the people who haven't been entrusted with the words of God, the people that that haven't, uh, that God hasn't had this relationship with for 2,000 years, don't the people out there, even some of the the, um, other translations use the word pagans, you know, people that are totally, that, that are absent of God, don't even they do the same thing? You, therefore, must be perfect And the word there is like, it's a sense of completion. You therefore must be complete, perfect, just as your heavenly father is perfect. Jesus gives them this message of the good news 
of the kingdom of God, the good news of what God has offered in the gospel. And then he appeals to them with this. And he says, look, this is the way that God loves you. And if you receive this, if you experience this, this, this incredible gift, you will love people in a different way. Fundamentally, you will love them in a different way. Different than the pagans, different than the tax collectors, different than the other people that are out there. You will love them in a different way. What's gonna be different? You're gonna, you're gonna love your enemies. You're gonna love those that persecute you. You know, we've been talking about natural loves, right? You know, how we love our family, how we love our friends, how we love our spouse. We haven't talked about the natural love of how we love our enemies. Why? It's not natural. We don't love our enemies. That's not a natural thing. You who persecute you, me, you who are trying to hurt me, you who are intentionally seeking to bring me harm, naturally, I don't love you. That's not a natural thing. That's not part of our evolutionary biology is to love people that are hurting us. And yet Jesus says, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. If you really believe this gospel, this is what it's gonna look like. It's gonna change the way that you love people. You're gonna love in this different, substantially different way. Now it's not discounting. This is important. It's not discounting the other loves, right? Those are great. Those are good loves like we've talked about. But it's, it's raising the standard of what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to be transformed by the, by the love of God? And he's making this appeal to us by patterning it after God himself, right? He's, a, he's, he's patterning the way that we talk about love by God, who causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He, the, we serve a God, right, who, who loves everyone. And five minutes ago in the sermon, everybody was all excited because they were the ones. Even though you're evil, even though you are, you you know, you've done horrible things, God still loves you. And they're like, ooh, that's awesome. Love me some Jesus. That's awesome. But now when he makes this appeal and he talks about the unrighteous, we tend to think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is my enemy included in that? God loves my enemy. Can't he just give him a little zap? Just a little, you know? I don't want to hurt him. I want to say don't kill him. Just a little zap, you know? Have him lose his house, burn something down, you know, do something. Just give him a little zap. And Jesus is making the appeal that, you know, God loves because God is love. And he pours out his love on the just and the unjust. Five minutes ago, you were the unjust and you were happy about it. Now I'm telling you, what about your enemy? God loves your enemy too. God loves the person that persecutes you. No, you don't know the person that persecutes me. Jesus is like, yeah, I do know, All right. This is before the crucifixion. So they have no idea the demonstration that Jesus is going to give them of the extent of the love that he has. But he's making this appeal for the fact that God is love and that we should pattern ourselves after him. That the good news isn't just good news for us because we like to think that. Oh, it's such good news. It's such good news for me. And it's good news for the people that I care about. But it's also good news for your enemies. It's also good news for those who persecute you and hurt you. It's good news for them as well. And he's naturally fitting this into this message. See how good your father is. See how good the way that he pours out his love, how gracious he is. Don't you want to be like that? Don't you want to be children of of your father? You know, that's kind of when he talks about being sons. It is, don't you want to be like him? Don't you want to carry that? That should be your, your motivation. God pours out his love graciously without demand. And he calls us to do the same. This is the divine love. 
This is the supernatural love. The loves that we've been talking about have all been natural. This is the supernatural agape love of God. It is absolutely divine. And he goes on and he gives the, 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 the qualities. It, it, it's substantially different than the love of pagans, you know, or people that, I, I'm just going to use that term, you know, for people that aren't believers, that don't believe in God, that haven't experienced him, that don't live by him. They can love, can't they? They can absolutely love and they can do generous things. They can love But Jesus is saying there is a difference. There is an absolute difference in the way that we will love. We love our enemies. We love those who seek to hurt us. You go to other cultures that haven't been infiltrated by Christianity and they'll go, what? That doesn't make any sense. You know, outside of God, it makes no sense at all. But Jesus is saying to love our enemies, our frenemies, even our friends that are enemies, love them all, that anyone who seeks to harm us not those, who, not those who have persecuted us, not those that were our enemies, but those that are persecuting us, those that are our enemies, right? Not, they're in the current state of persecuting you. It's, it's now, it's the, it's the, and it's hard, you know, because we don't have a lot of persecution, right? So I'm trying to think of like the best examples. It's probably like work, you know? I remember I had a boss who just, I mean, persecuted me, man, just gave me, he was just so hard. And I remember I was a brand new Christian and I went to this, this um, you know, meeting. I was doing Young Life and I was with other Young Life leaders. And I was like, man, you know, I got this bad boss or whatever. And they're like, have you prayed for him? And I'm like, prayed for him? It's like, I'm praying against him. Like, I want, I want a lightning bolt. I want him, you know, out. And it, and it was this challenge. Yeah, that makes sense for you, but didn't God change your life? Didn't he, you know, do this? And you should start praying for him. And it was just, it was just nonsense. But that's probably the closest example that I have, you know, of persecution that we experience. It's, it's your boss. It's your neighbor that you hate, that, you know, that blows all their leaves onto your yard, that ran over your cat. I don't know what they do, but they do something that you really don't like. Um, these are the people that he is calling us to, to love. It's not just, uh, you know, this ethereal thing that's out there. Imagine for you, who is that? Who is that? Who is it that persecutes you? It might, be, it might even be somebody in your family. It might be in-laws. It might be, it might, not my in-laws, because my in-laws are here. No, I don't, I don't experience that. I'm just saying it could be. Who is it for you? Who is it that persecutes you? Who is it that, that, that you think Jesus is talking about when he says your enemy? Somebody who would seek to do you harm. And he says, love them. Love the unlovable. Love the unlovable. And you know, at one point in uh, the gospels, Jesus talks about um, judgment day and how the righteous would be before him. And he would say, you know, I was, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And they're like, that's awesome, Jesus but I don't remember that. When did I do that? When, when did I do that? And he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. When you agaped them, you agaped me. And he's making this point that not only are we loving our enemies, not only are we loving those that persecute we, you, but we love those who can give us nothing in return. We love those who actually might even despise what we give them. You know what I mean? Like anybody, you don't have to be a Christian to go be nice to somebody, to go be nice to a stranger. But you know what? When that stranger rejects what you offer them, when you give them the water and they spit it back in your face and you continue to love them and you continue to provide for them and you continue to do it, when the rest of the world would say, oh, okay, bye-bye, I'm out of here, we're done. 
Whereas Jesus would say the stranger, the least of these, the person who, who, who spits on the, whatever you, it is that you give them, whatever it is that you provide, that's what you're doing to the least, the least of these. And you're doing it to, to him. That's how we experience the agape love of God. And it's how we share the agape love of God. And you know, it's hard. It's hard to, um, once we receive God's love, we begin to think of ourselves as, hey, I'm kind of good, Right? This feels awesome. God loves me. Well, I'm a pretty good looking guy. So, you know, I got that going for me. So you start thinking of, you know, things. You start to believe that maybe you earned it. Especially when God starts to manifest himself in you. Like, like you, you become a Christian and you receive the spirit and you start to, you just naturally you change because the spirit starts to change the way that you live your life. And then you start to look at it and you go, man, I'm a pretty good guy. Yeah. And so you begin to believe the lie that somehow you earned that love and it makes it hard because now you look down at the people that were where you were just a little while ago. You begin to look down at them and to, and to not see how you can love them. And you forget that you were at one point, Paul says, you were an object of wrath. You were an object that you were, you were absolutely opposed to God in every way in what you were doing. At some point, we all were absolutely opposed to God but he loved us in spite of that. He loved us in spite of that. And that's the call that we have, that God has shown in Romans 5, 8. But God has shown his agape for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were in that condition, Christ died for us. So how much more should we love our enemies? How much more should we love the unlovable? All of this really gets to this point of Jesus removing our conditions for loving, Right? If you think about it, loving your enemies, loving, he's saying, put no conditions on the way that you love people because that's the way that God loves. God loves because God loves. God loves just because that's what God does. God is love, God loves. It's not, a, it's not conditional on anything that you do. God loves in spite of you. God loves because God loves. We need to remove conditions. So it's natural in, for us to, be, to say things or think things. We never say this because our wives would kill us. But if we said, I would love my wife if she stopped doing this, or if you started doing this, that's putting a condition on it. We go and we, and we say, oh man, I would really, if this, if, if my friend would just do this, if this person would just apologize for what they did, I would love them. I would love God. I would love them. I, I totally would. All they need to do is this. We're putting these conditions and Jesus is saying there are no conditions on God's love. If there was, guess what? We'd be in trouble. We would be in trouble. Jesus would never have set foot on this earth had his love been conditional on anything that we could offer because we can't. Jesus is making this appeal to us. Yes, you just heard the gospel message and you're ready to receive it and you want the kingdom of God to rule and to reign in your life. But I want you to know I'm calling you to this. I'm calling you to be changed and transformed so that you will love people this way, the same way that I'm telling you I love you unconditionally. I want you to love others unconditionally. Agape loves without calculation, without figuring out how valuable is this to me? What use do you have of me? We live in a society that puts a value on our love relationships. You think about it in, in, in terms of a marriage relationship and a friend relationship and any relationship that's out there, it comes down to what can you do for me? 
You know, this is a, this is a relationship I'm going to do for you. You're going to do for me as opposed to just a one way. I'm, I'm going to love you unconditionally. There is no condition. There's nothing that you could do that would, that would stop me from offering you this love. We don't live in a society that nurtures that, especially when it, when it comes to commitment, like marriage, you know, where we stand before God and we make a vow and we say, I want to love this person unconditionally. We say all these beautiful flowery words because we're right in the throes of eros, right? Those of you that were here last week, we make these beautiful vows and commitments, but it's agape that's going to make it work. It's agape that's going to remove the conditions for that love. If there's not agape, man, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. You just can't. That's why we have, to, we have a ceremony and we invite God. We say, God, we can't do it without you. We need you. Agape, it's not dependent upon being loved in return. It doesn't need to be rewarded at all to exist. God says that we should, we should love our enemies, that we should love those that persecute you, not those that love us. Not just those that love us. Yeah, I'm saying we should love those that love us. Like we shouldn't reject them. Oh, sorry, you're too good to me. I can't love you, right? And this is, this is kind of a, you know, a big deal. This idea that um, the natural loves are redeemable. The natural loves are good. They're good things. But this is, this is more. This is on top of it. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. The next thing I want to say is uh, another, another scripture. And this is tough. It's John 13. John 13, 34. He says this. He says, a new commandment a new commandment, not a new recommendation. I've got a recommendation. Hey, here's a thought. Not a new philosophy. I've got a new philosophy, a new way. Hey, try this out for size. It's, it's a new commandment. I'm telling you, if you say that, you, that I'm your Lord, if you say that you want the kingdom to rule in your life, yes, Jesus loves you. But it's more than that. Do you, want, do you want him to rule in you? Do you want his kingdom to, to, to all the goodness, all the fruits to show up in your life? A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love, if you have agape for one another. If you love each other, it will be distinctly different and people will see it and they'll point to it and they'll say, there's something different about that and it points to Jesus. You see that? He's saying that this is a testimony that the world will see that the way that you love is qualitatively different. And he says, love as I have loved you. Think about the way that Jesus loved us. Think about the cross. Think about crucifixion. This is, the, this is how he demonstrated his love for us. So when he says, love as I have loved you, what love relationship looks the most like the way that he's loved us? crucifixion. C.S. Lewis makes this point in his book on the four loves where he talks about, he was talking about marriage as an example. And he was saying that the marriage that looks the most like the love of Christ is the one where the spouse can't give anything, is absolutely unaware of what's being given to them. And the, and the other spouse is giving their life for the other person. That is, that is crucifixion. That is loving the way that Jesus loves, giving with no expectation of return. The person might not even understand. I mean, come on, we've done that as Christians. Hey, I just want you to know that I'm choosing to love you. That's my way of telling you, you're still a putz, but I'm a better person than you are, so I'm gonna love you. You know what I mean? But this is saying it's crucifixion, man. They don't even know. They can't even comprehend. Jesus is like, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. But I will love them in spite of themselves. If you truly take this commandment to heart, then that means that you will love in a way that looks the way that Jesus loved. 
crucifixion, giving himself completely, dying for another person. People that didn't, he didn't have warm fuzzies, right? It wasn't like he's on the cross thinking, I love these guys. They're so awesome. I just, oh, it just warms my heart. He wasn't thinking that. He wasn't, but he was loving. When he prayed and he said, forgive them, God, even now I'm, I'm, I'm interceding on their behalf. Uh, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. He was loving them, but he wasn't feeling it. We live in a culture that says love is a feeling. If the feeling's not there, it's not on you, man. You know, hey, sorry. She wasn't the right one. He wasn't really your friend. Whatever, move on. And Jesus, the, the love that he describes is totally different. It's an, and, and it's an example to the world People will know that we're disciples of Jesus by the way that we love. Agape love should penetrate all of our natural relationships. All of the way that we love anyone should be penetrated by the agape love of God. The more that we rely on him to be able to do that. And, and you know, this, I'm an analytical guy. And so this is a big thing for me. It might not be a big thing for you, but you know, some of these people, they just separate all these loves as if they're wholly different things when really they're all, it's all love, right? And it's just allowing agape to, to be a part of our love relationships. The way that I love my wife, the way that I love my children, the way, maybe not the way I love Taco Bell, but the way you love things, right? Okay, this is the best analogy I can come up with, right? You might not know this, but uh, I had a crotch rocket in college, I rode a Ninja 600R. Thank you very much. Okay. And I had a buddy who had a motorcycle and he was convinced he would go to Palatka and he would fill it with jet fuel because he was convinced if I put jet fuel in it, it would, it would perform totally different. He was able to do things that were impossible without jet fuel. And I think that that's, that's the natural loves at work. The natural loves is the motorcycle, man. And the agape love is the jet fuel that allows us to do things that are just virtually impossible without it. And we want that agape love to penetrate all of our love relationships. Yes, you can love your spouse without agape. But when agape is there, it's supercharged. And, 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 and it's an experience. I talked about this last week. I was trying to figure out, it's hard to even describe, like as, as powerful as Eros was in the first in the courting phase, you know, in the first couple years of our relationship. And it was powerful, don't get me wrong. When I think of the breadth of the relationship that I have with my wife, the love that we experience for each other is so much greater. It's so much different. It's so much more powerful. And part of that is because we had to experience agape. There were times when we had to overcome adversity, things that we had done to each other and we just had to love each other in spite of it. And as a result, we experienced the agape love of God in our natural love relationships. This is a way for us. In your relationships, if you think about the relationships that are probably strongest in your lives, there has been some adversity. Friends, whatever. Children, for sure. You know, there has been adversity and you've loved them through that. And some might even look at it and go, wow, that's incredible. How did you do that? That's impossible. Nobody could ever love through that kind of situation. That is the agape love of God. That's the testimony of what he's done. It's absolutely impossible to do that on your own. It's divine. We called it the divine love. It's the divine love. That means that it comes from God. That means it's supernatural. Visitors, like, I knew there was supernatural stuff at RCC. Yes! The divine love, it's supernatural. It's not natural. You can't do it on your own. You cannot love somebody the way that, that Jesus is describing on your own efforts. You can try, but you will end up killing yourself. 
right? You're trying to drive your motorcycle with, with regular fuel and you need jet fuel. You're trying to love them in a way that you just cannot do it on your own. Agape love begins with God. It begins with God. You can only, it can only happen with God, period. It is the presence of the divine power in the way that we love. Galatians 2, and this is what's awesome, man, if we can just grasp this. Galatians 5, 22, he says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love. The fruit of the spirit is agape. The very first fruit that Paul chooses to point out, he says, look, live by the spirit. You know, Galatians, he's saying, live by the spirit. Don't live by your flesh. Don't live by the way that you've been living in the past. Live by the spirit. Let him be the one that leads you. Let his kingdom reign in you. In other words, submit to his rulership so that the kingdom of God will make itself manifest. Manifest just means appear in your life. And guess what happens? You will begin to have these fruits will show up. They're fruits. They're not roots, right? They're things that come as a result of something else that you don't have any control over. They're not things that you can plant and do on your own. They're things that happen only as a result of what God is doing. So as we submit ourselves to God, we begin to manifest agape, the first. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Today we're talking about love. We're talking about agape. It begins to show itself in us. So when I say it's absolutely impossible, it is impossible on your own. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we, admin, that we are able to, to minister an agape love. Romans 5.5 5 says this. He says, God's love, God's agape love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we say, I want, I want this, I can't do it on my own. I, I, the burden is too great. I accept the good news of the things that you have done. I want that for my life. God pours his love in us. His agape love is now empowering us and we receive it and then we can begin to administer it to other people. What does this love look like? I'm gonna take a look at a passage, 1 Corinthians 13, that we've all heard. Who has not heard this at a wedding, okay? It's a great passage about love, but the problem is that we read it as a command. We read it as, a, you know, this is what we need to do. This is what you're signing up for, people. You know, this is, this is it. And John Piper, he makes this, this statement, which I think is great. And he says that we should read this as a promise of divine power before we read it as a commandment. In other words, we're, we'll read this verse together, but I want you to think of it as this is a promise. This is what God is saying, look, This is what love looks like. This is what it will look like in you if you submit yourself to me, if you seek after me, if you follow me, if you are a disciple of me, this is what it will look like. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Again, in our relationship, it could be with your spouse. It could be with your coworkers. It could be with your friends. It could be with family. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant nor rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's impossible. Never happened at a wedding. Never had, had, had one of them, you know, somebody that's that getting married say, I can't do that. That's too much. That's because they're in Eros, man. They can't tell. They don't know. They think they can. Yeah, I can totally do that. That's awesome. Yeah, we're getting married. We can totally, we can do anything. Yeah, we endure all things, right? Then you lose your job, right? 
Then they're coming, they're knocking, they're taking away your house. Well, I meant I can endure all the things I've experienced so far, right? I, I didn't expect that. You cannot do that on your own. It's through agape love that we're able to do that. It's through the Holy Spirit who brings us the agape love that God pours it into us. That's the way that we can love that way. And the promise is that as we submit ourselves to it, that's what it's going to look like. That's what's going to draw people to Jesus. That's what's going to show them something qualitatively different in the way that we love versus the way other people love. They see with us no conditions, no calculation. I'm not looking at how I can use you. I'm just loving you. Yeah, even if you don't receive it, even if you don't like me, I'm still going to love you. I might not tell you that I'm still going to love you because that's just obnoxious, but I'm going to love you. That's what it looks like. And so this morning, you know, we're going to have an opportunity to pray in just a second. I would ask that you consider, what is it that God has for you this morning? You know, maybe, maybe you've never received it. Or maybe you, you're, you still can't believe it. I can't re- God loves me in spite of it. No, you don't know the things that I've done. Yeah, I don't have to. Jesus does, and he says he loves you. He says that he's willing to pour his spirit out on you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what he's done. And this morning, maybe that's you. You need to get to a place of being able to receive. You need to stop trying to love people because you can't. You haven't received his love. You're spinning on your own effort, man. You're, you're, you're on empty. You need to be filled with the love of God before you can go and love others. And some of us, the challenge is right now, who is it that, that God is calling you to love in a different way? Who is it that God is changing the way that you think about them, the way that you feel about them? Remember I told you about that boss that was persecuting me? I mean, we became great friends, like ridiculous. I started praying for the guy and just, I mean, things change. Who is it for you? Who is it that God wants you to begin praying for? Who is it that God wants you to love with that agape love? Who is that? What conditions does God want you to remove in relationships? Maybe it's a marriage where everyone around you is telling you, give up. It's, it, why are you in this thing? Why are you still trying to love this, this person? They don't love you back. They've done these horrible things. What, what are you thinking? Get out. And maybe you need to be filled this morning with the agape love of God so that you can go back and say, no, I'm gonna love this person in spite of the pain that they've caused me, in spite of the things that I've experienced, I'm gonna love them. Maybe it's relationships with family. Maybe it's somebody who's hurt you that you haven't been able to forgive. And God is saying, forgiveness is just the first part of loving this person. And so let's pray. I can't tell you what it is. And so let's just pray and ask that God would tell you. Lord, we... um, We're so thankful for the way that you have sought us out and loved us. We thank you for the good news of your kingdom. God, that you choose um, to to, to seek after us and and to rule in our lives. And we pray that you would help us to give ourselves more and more to you, that more fully that we could give us. And we pray that you would empower us, empower us to love, empower us to love. And right now, God, I pray that you would bring to our minds the people that you have called us specifically to love. God, I pray that you would reveal the conditions that we've placed on that relationship. Free us this morning. Free us from our own traps of not being able to love because we're holding these things against people. Free us this morning to love the way that you have loved us. In Jesus' name.